Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, not episode, of the Skeleton Crew, as we're flashing back to Ark Station. I'm Ryan. I GM'd the sessions, and I'm joined here today once more by Noah, Brett, and Daniel. Ammon is conspicuously missing for some strange reason. He got in deep with some bad people. Yeah, the call of Vegas could not go unanswered. It's true. Because you know what they got in Vegas? Coca-Cola. <laughs> Our newest sponsor. <laughs> so, Arc Station, hands down, I think, is one of my favorite arcs that we ever did. Like, Tatooine was great, but then Arc Station, I think, is where things... I think it's where the skeleton crew cemented its personality. And it's the one that the Mandalorian did, just not as well. So, well, exactly. yeah, they they thought way too small on that one. And I think last time we said, you know, because last time we talked about the Mandalorian and we were like, oh, it was when they double crossed uh, the Herner Vertzog. Werner Herner way around. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Werner um, Herzog. Jeez Louise. Um, anyway, they double crossed him. You know, they gave him the baby, got the money, he or he got all of the uh the best car uh steel, and then he, he double crosses them. But then I was talking with uh with you know, Seth, my brother, and uh he was like, Yeah, there is also that scene where you guys blew up Ark Station and then they uh the Mandalorian led the 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 three x wings or whatever to the one little station or something so you know there's some parallels there john favreau is really he had his notebook out you know like writing everything down yeah because it's not like he'd already written that episode by the time we were recording that i don't i don't think he did so no if any it just goes to show that star wars is creatively bankrupt if they're ripping us off <laughs> i'd be- <laughs> Well, I'll I mean, say, because was, was we're ripping off Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We talked about this last time. Canonically, chronologically, maybe not canonically, we came before. <laughs> it's true. Anywho. But yes, you are correct. The Mandalorian didn't think big enough. They had like one little like hideout with a couple of thugs or whatever. You know, some baddies that the X-Wings blew up. We had a full-blown mega station with, like, I don't know, thousands of people on there that got blown up by the Sith. So it's like, okay, John, I appreciate what you're doing, but you gotta, you gotta think bigger. You gotta, <laughs> you know, take everything that you got bigger, more of it. That's what the people want. Well, also, we we had shopping, you know, in our story arc. We actually, you know, had some. You know, accessory shopping. There was quite a little adventure there. We we have all the elements of a good drama, and I think John Favreau forgot to take notes on that part. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I I wasn't aware that all the elements of a good drama boiled down to <laughs> shopping and betrayal. <laughs> um. I mean, you uh, you misunderstand. All the elements of a good drama boil down to shopping and explosions. The betrayal doesn't really matter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but you're right. The first episode, the first, um, what, 40 minutes of it? However many minutes there are in the episode before the last one is just you guys, for lack of a better word, dicking around on Ark Station. (laughs) Well, hey, no. Okay. We had important errands to run. Skoga needed a disguise. That is true. (laughs) The The eye patch. Okay, well, here's a thing that never came across in the episode then, is that Noah actually brought a physical, real eye patch to the table and didn't tell anyone about it. And then when Skoga tried on the eye patch, he turned around and put on a real eye patch. Okay, now, <laughs> as, as hilarious as that would be, if I just had an eye patch laying around... I did have a thing with my eye. I had, like, ruptured something in my eye. I could see fine, but it was, like, all red. It looked like I was possessed by a demon or something. And so, and people were giving me weird looks. And so I got an eye patch to cover it up from, like, like I just got an eye patch from, like, CVS or something. Apparently, they that's where they saw them. But then, after that, 
then I had an eye patch just laying around. And so I was like, oh, this is too good to pass up. I knew we were going shop. This is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. And my only regret is that anytime Skoga mentioned the eye patch later in the season, I didn't have it with me. I should have kept it just in my bag or something. Biggest regret. Entire season one. Entire season <laughs> one, the biggest regret is that I didn't have my eye patch with me at all times. It definitely did bring you more into character when you used it. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that, that gets me with the with the skeleton crew. I'm a pretty visual guy, and I love bringing... I, I love little props and stuff, so if I ever play an RPG, you know, not recorded... I love doing the props and things. I love having well. Like, apparently, even if it is recorded, yeah, even and if it is recorded, you, you also did bring those little credit chits that you had three D printed. That oh, is that's true. right. Which I then became Iso's eyes. Oh yeah, which <laughs> nobody knows about. Like, no one knows them. about that, but they did. We would put them in our eyes and squint so that they would be held in place. These little three D printed plastic credit pieces that Noah printed. And that that was Iso. That was the the face of Iso. That started when with me. I I put, picked him up. I put them in my eyes. And then while while Brett was talking as Iso, I like covered my face and had those things. And I moved my head back and forth as if I was talking <laughs> as Iso. And every single time he talked, I would do that again. And it was really hard for everyone to stop laughing while we were recording. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I remember because it was like a little game that we would do while recording. We would, you know, we would put them in our eyes and see if we could get somebody to crack. So like Ryan would be like, you know, given some description, you know, there's some evil Sith dude or whatever, so some crazy people you're seeing inscriptions on the walls, and then you got Daniel over in the corner with a couple pieces of gray plastic, like, <laughs> stuck on his eyes, and he's over here like... <laughs> so... And yeah. this is why we'll never have a stream. It's <laughs> this it's is true. why we should definitely have a stream. It's also why if, he, if if Ryan ever sounds like he might be frustrated in any episode, that's probably what's going on. Is that... It's probably real frustration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's a single episode where you hear frustration in Ryan's voice that it is not legitimate. <laughs> that's pretty true. Like, yeah. I don't know. We put Ryan through a lot. We... Uh... We're maybe not the best. Uh... Well, it got to the point where our characters were receiving death threats before every recording session. If you don't do this, or if you do do this, your character will die instantly. <laughs> no questions. No no saving throws. Nothing. Dang. Anytime yeah. an NPC was angry with the skeleton crew, it wasn't hard. <laughs> <laughs> Now, okay, to, uh, get into that headspace. So, 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 what we're saying is the reason Skeleton Crew works and everybody can get into character is because of a bunch of little things. Because we bring props and then we get distracted by them. <laughs> so then the props help us as characters get into character. Anytime I whip on that eye patch, boom, I'm immediately in Skoga's mindset. And anytime I whip on the mind, the and anytime I whip on the eye patch, boom. Ryan is immediately exasperated, and now the Sith Lord <laughs> doesn't want to deal with us anymore. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. See? I, everybody's a winner here. Is there a character in the Skeleton Crew that isn't at least some part or majority obnoxious a-hole? Uh, Wes is just less. Wait, just a an character a or an NPC? <laughs> oh, a player character. <laughs> okay. Well, I would say Skoga's, uh, he's not an a-hole. He's more of like... No, the... no, Skoga's, Skoga's more of a, more of a jackass. Like, <laughs> I'm talking about the doctor here, so, but, you know. Yeah, um, no, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. Kind of like the thick-skulled, to everyone else, oblivious idiot, but he knows what's really going on. He doesn't. There's... Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh... Does he? Know? That's what he tells himself like, at least. I think he, I think he does. I think he, I think knows he does most of the time. Oh. But I do think there are times when he's honestly just thick. No. Okay. Okay. There's there's a moment in one of the episodes I can't remember when where Skoga is talking to somebody and then he says, "Why do you think I act stupid all the time?" or something to that effect. Yeah, that is true. But 
but everything just, he says is calculated because he's he's Darth Skoga. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. No, it's on Arc Station when not that line, but well, maybe that line. Don't quote me on that. But where Skoga has one of those moments, isn't it? Where he just starts lifting listing off some big chemical formula or some no that was a, complex that was equation like, that was above the atmosphere of a planet when we were talking about how, oh like, yeah how possible it is to actually you know oh burn up an entire that was world. Yeah. that was right after arc station that was above oh we can't we can't get into spoilers. that okay, okay okay we can't discuss that yet Let's we're still on arc station okay what we can discuss is that you know if if we hadn't gone shopping though then we would not have probably we probably wouldn't have escaped as we did because Skoka got a ton of thermal detonators, right? Oh, that's right. Okay, so Cause here's because we, we went to that arms shop. And oh, well, it was a combination. Here's... It was a combination of going shopping and the fact that we were being tracked by the Sith. If if one of those two things hadn't happened, we wouldn't have gotten the thermal detonators. Okay, well, and I wouldn't have gotten my. Um my heavy blast rifle so okay i'll confess ryan gave us like a huge freebie with that one he did because um because we're in this weapon shop and and then some sis show up and you know the guy running the shop gets spooked and he goes away and all of his stuff is just sitting there well that was one of my favorite parts because the guy behind the counter was just like freaking out and getting really scared and like runs in the back room and you're just like well geez no need to be rude about it (laughs) just like reach over the don't mind if i do stealing all his stuff (laughs) and so i remember and so that's when i got uh i upgraded some of my equipment because i think i was using like a slug thrower rifle or something up to that point something and so yeah i get a shotgun yeah, 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 a shotgun that I rarely used because we had only played the one arc, right? But then I was like, it's time for an upgrade. And so I saw a heavy blaster rifle, which is like one of the best guns. And I was like, sounds good. Okay. And I just like took it off the rack. Ugh, 30,000 credits? How about zero? And then a full like bandolier full of thermal detonators. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a good time. And then the Sith show up. And I got to use the thermal detonators. It was awesome. Immediately. I, but I think I missed. I think I butched those rolls pretty hard. See, so here's the here's the thing I love about Arc Station. I think, like you said at the beginning, Ryan, it's where the skeleton crew really took on its true personality. Because just think of this small like moment. You had Skoga, who's just robbing this poor shopkeeper blind while there's like three mega bamf Sith dudes right behind him. Maybe it was four. I don't know. You got Damien, who's there just kind of helping out. Uh, clear across the way, like 500 feet away, you have Wes, who's getting custom fitted for a new jacket. <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, and, yeah. And didn't even take part in the whole conflict that ensued afterwards. Well, yeah, because Arc Station, where you were, was like this big ring around an empty cavity where this elevator went up and down. And Ammon was all the way on the other side with Wes. And this tailor shop, and you know, rounds go by super quick. And I was like, all right, I run to the other side. I'm like, well, you can't. It's like 400 feet. <laughs> it's going to take you like six turns. So I guess, you know, it's good that Ammon isn't here because this perfectly then shows the personalities of the skeleton crew <laughs> in this little moment. That's true. Skoga, Damien, and Iso always in the action with Wes kind of trailing. Doing who knows what, going shopping. <laughs> My jacket. <laughs> <laughs> However, I will say this is where the the running joke was established about Wes's sort of uh I don't want to say obsession <laughs> with his jacket. Maybe it was an obsession. Jackets. I, I think it was quite clearly an obsession. He mm-hmm. multiple times said he owned multiple jackets, but they all looked exactly the same. They had the same dirt mark on the shoulders. I don't know. Like, you know, in, in Solo, when Han and Kira go into, like, Lando's big old closet, and it's just With like, all, capes. all the scarves and all the, yeah, capes and that, whatnot. That's Wes. Imagine that, but it's just one jacket yep. over 30,000 times. And <laughs> over, yeah. Yeah, that, that sums up Wes's character quite a bit, actually. That's, See, maybe... Uh, 
maybe he's just kind of a bit of like the Steve Jobs type where he had to wear the same exact thing over and over again. Otherwise, he'd just go crazy. I feel like wearing the same exact thing over and over again is what would make you crazy. Right. I was about to say that. Like, definition of insanity. Well, that's what I'm saying. To everyone else, he's crazy. But for him, that's what However, anytime you see a bald guy in a turtleneck, a black <laughs> turtleneck, you think, oh, that's Steve Jobs. And you're like, no, no, he died. <laughs> Thanks, Noah. All, all I know is that, like, this this arc was when uh, I was able to actually have I, I, this is where like the the misadventures of Skoga and Damien started, you know, becoming a regular thing. Yes, uh, that poor shopkeeper. Like, you know, because before, you know, I was like, oh, Skoga, you've got to, you've got to learn to speak the language of your blaster. You know, like I speak lightsaber. You know, like, and uh, and then you know, I was like, oh, I, I need to mess with Skoga again. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna pretend. Like he puts on this eye patch. I'm like, I'm just gonna pretend like he's. <laughs> A new person, and it was so great. Every single time he used that eye patch, it was his total disguise. He wasn't even the same anymore. Yeah, I think the best part uh, is like it's either Wes or Eso. Uh, it's probably Wes, where you do that, and he thinks you're serious. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the Sith come. You have your first little experience there with good old. Silver-clad Sith troopers taking over Ark Station. You had to meet... We got to meet one of the most important characters in the game, Traka, who... Uh, <laughs> I, who I believe he was one of Cicero's men. Oh, uh, yeah. Cicero, a fairly minor character, pretty much ran whole, all of Ark Station. Um, we met him, and then he blew up, so whatever. <laughs> we'll get to that. Traka was one of his men that came with us, and we are like, oh, okay, this guy's not so bad. And we go and we find some Sith, and then he immediately like dies. Oh yeah, because we went up to one of the upper levels and we came across just like desolation, and then there was that like barricaded storefront or something that we went in and we found that little. Yeah, room. it was real creepy because mm-hmm. it had like a bunch of these like blasters poking out of like yeah. you know like like little like little holes or whatever in the barricade. And we go behind the barricade, and it's just like everybody's dead. Like it's all these dead people holding these blasters, right? That was that was kind of I was like, whoa, what's going on? I could I had a very vivid image of it in my head. I was like, wow, I can really I can really imagine what this is like. And then you met, yeah, Cicero's attendant, not Cicero, who then tasked you with saving the station. What was that guy's name? Did he have a name? No, he was Cicero's attendant. Okay. I'll be honest, I don't remember being tasked with saving the station at all. I remember wanna... we had to like crawl down some okay. shafts. Here's, here's what it was. Uh, the Sith had gotten into like the main reactor room or something, and they were jamming all communications in the right. whole station. And we had to go and clear the signal so that they could locate Cicero. That's right. And then you royally effed it up. Well, yeah. I think like halfway through that episode, after getting that assignment, I had already forgotten like that we were supposed to save the station. I was I don't even <laughs> see, I was and that's why you fit in so good to the skeleton crew because all of us forget halfway through our jobs who we're actually working for and what we're supposed to be doing. So it's perfect. It's true. It's true. Because we go. Yeah, you guys. You had to clear a radio like frequency that they were jamming and 20 minutes later you've killed two dark jedi and the station is set to explode see but this is another great character development moment that lasted throughout the rest of the season was skoga you know beginning his path to becoming a jedi when he took the red lightsaber (laughs) and strapped it to the front end of his gun with some mesh tape that's right that's where that's where that came in the iconic double bayonet. The double bayonet. <laughs> that is okay because I was I was talking with Daniel about this. You know, it's like we don't get uh, we we went shopping twice um, in in the entire first season. Once on Arc Station, once on Coruscant. Um, we went shopping twice, but then like other than that, we don't get like new equipment. We don't really get any special items. But now I see clearly 
now I know we didn't get special items because we made special items. <laughs> in like future campaigns, other people, you know, other perhaps even other podcasts, there'll be like a special item, which will be the Star Wars equivalent of like a magic item. But it'll be Skoga's rifle with the double bayonet, and it'll be like this this thing of mythic proportions. Passed down from bounty hunter to bounty hunter. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> so the only way you can like claim it as your own is you have to kill the person that holds it, you know, that wields it, right? It's like a Harry Potter wand. No, no, not a wand. The I think it was the Elder Wand. The Elder Wand, yeah. The Elder Wand. All I know is that I was really glad that we had killed two Dark Jedi because, or Sith, I guess, whatever. Because when my lightsaber broke, I was like, Ugh, I have all these, you know, perks for double-bladed lightsaber stuff. <laughs> like, I was so glad that that guy has a lightsaber. So I pick it up and I use that until the very end. Yeah, I remember. And I remember you like had one. both of them and Skoga tried to take one originally, but you got to like pick which one you liked more based on like yeah. how it looked and everything. Yeah. The kyber crystal resonated with you, but touched the dark part of my soul. And you liked I, it. Uh... <laughs> I liked it. He kind of did, though. The number of times Damien uses Dark Rage, it's basically like at least once per every combat encounter. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm a little surprised that Damien never went full on Dark Side over the course of the campaign, at least by the end. Well, I mean, I ha how many Dark Side points did you rack up? So by the end there, I had 15, and I needed 17 to go full Dark Side. Ah, so close. Oh, Dang. man. Dang, his eyes are starting to get a little yellow. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I <laughs> I don't remember when we talked about it, but I was like, so at what point would my eyes start turning yellow? Like, And you were like, when you go full dark side, probably. I'm like, yeah, but wouldn't they like start to turn a little bit or like happen? A little hint. You know, anyway, but yeah, so. See, but like I said, it's just the beginning of... A lot of long set traditions throughout the season, leading, of course, to the climactic moment when Damien steals the holocron back. Oh, yeah. Quick, quick insert. Okay, before we talk about the holocron, also, there's a little secret that none of the listeners know. I'm not even sure if you guys know this, but I think you do. Um, okay. Skoga had more plans for his rifle that I think got shot down by Ryan. Um, <laughs> basically, Skoga's end plan was to have a one normal bayonet and three lightsaber bayonets. Ah, yes. <laughs> one on each side of his rifle so that he would just have this like super trident that he would go and stab people with. But every time I tried to get another lightsaber, something always happened to it. And maybe I just forgot after some point. But just so I you know. I definitely never shot that down because this is the first time I've heard that. But anyway, okay, maybe Ryan didn't shoot it down. Maybe I just forgot about it. I wasn't... Which, which has happened before. But yes, there are blueprints in Skoga's quarters where he, he, he has plans. They're very crudely drawn. <laughs> right? There's like little stick figure images of him wielding this trident-like thing, like you stabbing know, through a Wookiee. Well, because he's got, he's got that... Uh, he's got like, you know, the architect's paper... Or whatever, you know that it's that fancy paper they always use it in the movies and whatnot when they're laying out the blueprints and everything, like the actual you know? blue paper with white markings. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. But, so, but, but it's one know, of those. It's but crude. it's like it's just it's, it's blank, <laughs> and then it has like this really bad drawing of a rifle on it, and like there's like a couple of odd-looking cylinders on the sides that he's labeled like lightsaber, 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 bayonet. And, and they're spelled wrong. Yes, like L-I-T-E saber. <laughs> anyway, so that was Skoga's plan that never came to fruition, maybe in season two. Um, uh, anywho. Something, something I was always curious about is, all I remember is when we got to that point where we, got, we had the holocron and we gave it to the guy and he gave us the nine million credits. And I was like, I want that holocron. And I was like, I don't have any idea if Ryan has any intentions for us to like to have it. And it seemed like he didn't really want us to have it at all. But I was like, I want that shiz. Like, 
I want that hologram. I want it. And so I was like, you know what? I don't even care what happens. And so I reached out with a force and I rolled well and I, I stole it. <laughs> well, and like, no, that first, was one of those first, moments. <laughs> you you reached out with the force and it was I said, it calls to you. Oh. Damien! Dude, I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember, I think I was like super deep in Damien's head in that in that episode because I was like, I, I Damien wants this. <laughs> Damien, Damien needs this. Um, And then like, yeah, you did say it calls to me. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But <laughs> You didn't actually hear Ryan say it calls to you. You heard <laughs> in your head the holocron speaking to you. <laughs> Maybe that's really what happened. <laughs> Yeah, I I just so remember sitting there thinking, I have no idea how we're going to escape this. We might all die. I might be the only one who survives, but I want that holocron. I See, and it, this was an important turning point for ESO, at least, because this was like the first moment when initially he was like, holy crap, this dude's going to get us killed. We're booting him from the crew. And then when things started working out, he was like, no, he's just crazy enough. He's, he's going to fit in just fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wes immediately got like clocked in the back of the head and yes. knocked onto his knees or something and held at gunpoint by three different people. Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, I'm going to be honest with uh, I was not super pleased with how I played Skoga in that moment um, because if, if memory serves... Then uh, Skoga actually pulled his gun on Damien after mm. Damien had taken the holocron. He set it to stun because he was going to stun him because in, in Skoga's mind, he was like, wait, we've got nine million credits. I'd rather have nine million credits than like an Be evil dead. force box, you know, that makes me feel sad. <laughs> right. So it did make you guys feel sad. And so he and so he, he took a stunning shot at you and you had like eight hit points or something and the stun only did six hit points worth of stun <laughs> so you weren't stunned that's and right like, thank you goodness. did actually shoot him. so i guess the force was guiding us that session but in retrospect i think i would have liked to have played it where skoga was just, was more like yeah, we've got 9 million credits, but I like this guy's style. Let's do this. See, but you know? no, here's the thing. This is why this is such an important moment, because I don't think the skeleton crew really knew yet at this point what their true calling in life was. I think we were all... Because like, I think I like, I think Iso pointed his gun at him, too. Yep. But as yep. soon as it worked out, like something clicked. Like all of us suddenly now just became on the same page of like, all right, we go around the galaxy screwing people over and taking their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. We had a code of honor. We don't. Did you? Yeah. We don't uh, kill innocent people. Iso um, clearly wasn't on that page. <laughs> Wait, wait, okay, yeah. Iso broke the code of honor. Oh, that's um, later. That's not later. That was a big transgression, though. And you know, it was a big transgression, which uh when we get to it, we'll talk about how it was swept under the rug. But <laughs> <laughs> but that's for that's for another episode. That's for that's for a different flashback. That's for um, played a flashback. Yep. But yes, um Arc Station was I don't know. It was really fun, and I think it was good. It did it did cement um, kind of the dynamics of the skeleton crew. Uh, everybody kind of fell into their own like respective roles. Because like I think about it, right, and it's like okay, at this point, it was firmly established that um, so like Damien would be like the most serious one, but he would still have fun with Skoga, who was like the goofball, you know, he was, he was kind of the quote unquote stupid one, right? Iso was, Iso was kind of the mysterious guy, you know, he's always, always lurking in the shadows. You never know what he's going to do. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll rescue you. Maybe he'll snap your neck, you know? <laughs> who knows? Who knows what he's gonna do? You, you can't so see he, his eyes. You don't know what he's thinking. He's a loose <laughs> cannon. And then Wes was the ridiculous one. So yeah, yeah. Wes is the yeah. I think what's great is that we had to go back 
in in written story form brett and noah did to justify the skeleton crew's actions oh, oh okay 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 hey hang on now hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on okay so yes if you read if you read the stories on flashfantasypodcast.com under you know skeleton crew stories right there's one that talks about how um, <laughs> one of the guys whose neck Iso snapped was an abusive a-hole. Therefore, Iso was justified in doing that. And not then the, not that Iso different... knew that, of course. <laughs> it wouldn't have made a difference. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like if Iso, like it already was some like super duper cool monk later. He'd been like, "Well, it was worth it." <laughs> Iso like just snaps the guy's neck. And is like, "How did you know he was an a hole?" It's like oh, I didn't. Uh... Just, I needed to get to his control panel, and it was easier than like <laughs> tossing a rock down the hallway to get him to go investigate. <laughs> anyway. There's another story called Last Shuttle Off Arc Station. Oh, yeah. And there's there's like, it, it was a lot of fun for me to write. It's about this like totally like washed up Twi'lek who he was just like a total loser. Um, and he uh, <laughs> and he worked in the retail store, right? That Damien and Skoga went to uh, where, where, where Skoga got the eye patch. And I think Damien got some robes. Oh, that's right. And um you know, and so I'm writing this all from the Twi'leks perspective, and it comes in, and at, at the point where uh, this Twi'lek actually meets Damien and Skug, I just went back to the episode, and I listened to the dialogue, and I just wrote out the actual dialogue that we said, and I added in a couple of things, like uh, the Twi'leks' thoughts, right? And uh, and so, you know, that part really wrote itself, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry um but yeah so like it's like he gets like the the mind trick on him and then he realized that he's been tricked and so he gets fired from his job um and so he's like this place sucks and so he gets on a shuttle going off of arc station and then as he's as he's like leaving uh you know the station blows up behind him and he's like and uh and then it's like okay now Damien and Skurga were justified from stealing from this guy. Because <laughs> we saved his life. If we wouldn't have gotten the long him fired. Term. So it's like, oh would have been Damien and Skurga stole from him, resulting in him getting fired, resulting in his life being saved. Therefore, we are the good guys. Exactly. <laughs> Ends justify the means. Yep. And however, it didn't justify us. No, I don't know if we actually overloaded the reactor on Arc Station. That might have been an accident. Or I think or, it was. Or I don't even know if it was. Isn't I thought a, a Sith role? ship. I thought a Sith ship like blew it up. I can't remember. No, it was definitely your actions. Yeah, because it because like, remember it either... the guy was like there was a guy at the control center when you oh, guys were fighting the two oh, Jedi, and I wait, shot wait, him in the wait, back, this, but he like kept this... typing. And then Wes Wes failed his checks like twice to turn. Oh it my off. gosh, guys, guys, I I totally remember. I, I totally remember. There is a moment of lucidity with Skoga. It wasn't the atmosphere burning. It was the superconductors and the coolant and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what it was. I totally remember now. In, in case anybody listening to this was wondering, I haven't actually listened to these episodes in a while. Came out. They came out a while ago. But, yeah, he does have the moment of lucidity. And did we actually rupture some of the coolant? I think, I in, our, that... I think in our firefight, something like that. Yeah, happened, it, yeah. it was like uh, to do that. And maybe it was a distraction or something. But I think that destabilized it. So that and some bad rolls. Yeah. Some really bad rolls. Um, I think we... I, I don't think it was malicious, but I do think we overloaded the, the main reactor. And we were like, oh, crap. But then at the, I, think, I think we talked to Cicero's attendant and we're like, yeah, we got rid of the uh, jamming signal. But uh, <laughs> there's something he's else. Like, he's, like, he's like, oh, good. Well, go meet Cicero. But what's going on? We're like, I don't know. The Sith were here. Something happened. The Sith? No, you, you told him. You were like, oh, man, just couldn't do it. Those Sith. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> we blamed it on the Sith. Yeah, we did. 
now now these flashback episodes are turning into let's talk about all the terrible things that the skeleton crew has actually done that they didn't really mean to do but that they did (laughs) okay i now these flashback episodes for me at least are turning into actual flashbacks it's like i'm remembering things and i'm like oh (laughs) yeah well it's funny because i think the skeleton crew kind of just like uh that's uh, okay so the skeleton crew they were um, I think despicable is a fine word to use for them because they didn't really they didn't really have much regard for life um, except our own. That was it. Except our own, yeah. And so it's kind of it's kind of crazy that we even got a Jedi to sign on with us in the first place. But well, he was he was conflicted. Yeah, if he weren't conflicted, I don't think he would. Have yeah, yeah if he was one of those you know pompous chumps in the council, then uh, anywho. Um, uh, we we don't meet the council till later, so I won't talk about it. Exactly, but uh, you know we're bad people. But it's not like we were malicious. We weren't like evil. We weren't like I'm gonna go around killing everybody, taking power, no. and spreading fear through the galaxy. Like, did Woo! we did we put our own interests above others? Yes. Did we mean for that to lead to killing thousands of people on a black market space station? No. However, did we care when that happened? Also, no. (laughs) I didn't even think about it, honestly. We were like, we were like, oh dang, that was a close one. I was like, I was like, well, go ahead. If the skeleton crew had an alignment, it would be chaotic, stupid. (laughs) Hey now, hey now. We ended up saving the galaxy from Riyadh, okay? And Brachus, if you remember. I'm just gonna say it though, Riyadh points it out. (laughs) <laughs> later on <laughs> where he's like you have foiled my plans at every step and i'm pretty sure unintentionally yeah <laughs> okay that is true that's very true we actually weren't even really against riad until like <laughs> it wasn't until the jedi council was like hey we need you to go investigate riad we were like okay if you'll pay us yeah <laughs> <laughs> like we had no intention of tracking him down or doing anything to, like like because isn't it right arc stations Riyadh's still with us right now right yeah Riyadh is still and, your buddy buddy he's still our buddy buddy we he hasn't betrayed us yet but like it's funny right. he betrays us and we're like well he was a dick and we just kind of like let that <laughs> slide we like, don't really think about it anymore like, yeah we're like screw that guy we're going to uh we're going to course on yeah. go shopping <laughs> go shopping got nine million credits to spend <laughs> well because that's the thing the whole like Riyadh's planet thing kind of felt like a distraction because we're like what the heck do you want from us Riyadh? we got nine million let's just get out of here <laughs> it's like Riyadh. okay okay that was that was great i don't i'm not gonna go too far into it but we did get we did we got nine million and we were all like chomping at the bit to spend it yep and then yeah Riyadh's planet happened and like you said brett it was just it was, it was like a distraction because we're like we're flying around in this tin can let's get a better ship let's go we got nine mil like and uh and we're like, okay, well, screw you, Riyadh. And 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 you know, you got Damien like sitting on the ship, leaving this exploding station, you know, feeling kind of like Smeagol after his first encounter with the ring, like, oh yeah, I got it. It's worth every single cost. And I'm like, I got it. I was just I just remember thinking, like, I'm so glad I got that hologram. It's just See, really pathetic. If, in my mind, it's like if we had to turn the skeleton crew into some sort of like screenplay or whatever like Tatooine to Arc Station would be like our prologue where you'd have introduction to the characters you get off you go to Arc Station and then the big station blowing up is when like the title thing shows and you start the movie after that because it's a long a prologue <laughs> okay some things would have to be cut you know we probably wouldn't stop for space burritos um you know whatever <laughs> So, but because it's like after that happens, you understand the scope of like, oh my gosh, the Sith are coming through. You understand the characters like, wow, these guys are jerks, but I kind of like them, but we'll see. Um, I think it's more like the end of act one, not necessarily the prologue. Here's here's how I feel about it. You, you establish the scope like, oh, the Sith are coming. But here's the real kicker. OK, and we'll get into this when we get to the Coruscant arc. We were willing to try to take on the Sith for 10,000 credits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, huh? 
Like Grandmaster Loral was like, we need you to investigate this. If the Sith really are coming back, it's bad news. And Skogla's like, now hang on. She's like, ten thousand credits. Was like, okay, we'll do it. But it was like ten thousand a piece, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was ten thousand a piece. Oh, was it? I was under the impression it was ten thousand flat. But no, it was but Skogla accepted it just as quickly. But still, I don't think we ever really. I, I, that's a classic skeleton crew thing too. Is that you know we're we're like, oh yeah, we'll take this job. We don't think about any of the scale of what the job will entail or anything whatsoever we're just like sure we'll go we'll go stop we'll go you know you know save the station of and and get your communications back <laughs> like how hard could it be <laughs> what's the well, worst that could happen arc station is where i stopped planning i know <laughs> <laughs> like no like you know there are elements of improv in being a game master and such but usually you you start at least with like a all right here's where we're gonna go there were arc station episodes where i would sit down and i hadn't prepared a single thing i was like all right let's go let's start (laughs) everybody recorded that's because the skeleton crew even if you set them like with with rails and walls and shields around the walls and like guns facing the shields so that in case you do break out of the shields that you you know like they'll start digging yeah we'll start digging (laughs) we'll we'll find a way to like cause a feedback loop that destroys everything and break out like you can't railroad the skeleton crew into anything because we're idiots we are chaotic (laughs) stupid and we will find a way to like oh follow that butterfly wherever it goes yeah yeah love it well we'll figure out okay well if we shoot the coolant and then we press some <laughs> buttons on a reactor panel <laughs> something will happen like it's so classic uh dm describes a butterfly with a little bit you know too like just trying to set the scene he accidentally tells you what color the butterfly is and you're like oh i wonder why it's that color um Let's let's see where it goes. <laughs> now you see, I would actually say that the skeleton crew wasn't like that very much at all. I would say that Ryan he wouldn't prepare anything, but he was pretty good at like baiting us into stuff, right? So he'd be like, so he because we met Cicero's attendant, and he was like, "Hey, we need you to get you know like do do the reactor where or not." He didn't even say that. He said, "Find the the signal." And stop it. And I think we were the ones that said, well, it's probably in the reactor room. That's where I would put it. So um and and so we just we kind of we kind of went there of our own accord. And I guess so at that point it didn't matter where we went. I'm sure Ryan would have just been like, Well, there's you know, wherever you go, that's where the Sith are, and that's where the 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 beacon is. I don't know, maybe I did some role or something, some tactics role or Something, but I'm pretty sure we weren't told explicitly to go to the reactor room. We were just like, "Oh, that seems like a good place to go." I think we were rarely told explicitly, "You should go over here and do this thing over here." It was like, <laughs> and, and and so we just kind of went, and then we did whatever we felt like we needed to do in that area, and then we said, "Okay, this is good." Plus, we always had the goal in mind, right? It kept us on track because we had like nine million credits on the line. We had, oh no, I, I think it was even less than that. I think it was like two million. I don't think we knew think, how much money, like we knew it was. It, I think Ryan had given us a sum at some point because he was talking, he was four million because oh, Riyadh yeah. was like, I'll give you, you know, a cut of the shares and we're like four million. Okay. And then I think Ryan forgot. And so when he swiped the credit sheet, he's like we nine like, million. And we're like, nobody say anything. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I, no, I think we talked about it. Every time we talked about it, I think we did accidentally like increase the amount to just like, oh, yeah, like I think 4 it's million, like 4.6 million. Six, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I did not forget. I will, I will say that. But I think one of the best running jokes is it's like when the cat, when the NPCs would like forget and go to be like, uh, 9 billion. <laughs> That's right. How, how much did you say? Um, 10, 10 billion, I believe, was the agreed upon price. You know, you know, maybe I did forget though, because looking back at my notes, I look at Narshada Tatooine and it's like 10, 12 pages long. And then I click on Arc Station in my OneNote here and it's a description of Arc Station 
that's two sentences long, and that's the only thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's. I think that just shows that we we do better improvised almost than. Yeah. Well, so I think a couple things work. One, you know, I think there's there's good group chemistry, right? I think Ryan is good at giving us um, like little objectives to do. And I think that it's good because we had an overarching goal, at least for Arc Station, our goal was to get millions of credits. And so basically everything that we did was kind of in service to that, except for maybe the shopping. <laughs> but uh, but we had a reason for going to Arc Station because we knew we there was a buyer that was lined up there. So it's like, okay, we'll get yeah. the money. And then it was like, and then, so it wasn't like, uh, we wander around Dark Station for five episodes and you know see what happens. Like, no. oh, one thing just led to another. Up, well, know. I think part of it is that Ryan understands the universe that he's given us really well, and he understands Star Wars really well, and so he knows really how to tie things back, even if we get like off track of where he originally maybe intended us to go he can still tie in where we've gone to like a bigger picture and he does good at giving us little hooks along the way that we just we just take like we we just we don't even question them most of the time We're like what okay fine like ah, that sounds great <laughs> sounds like an adventure well, sounds like money making <laughs> <laughs> i always i say that I don't always say this, but sometimes a good NPC is all you need to just, like, point the characters in the right direction. You don't need this whole elaborate plot. You just need someone to, like, give them the right hint. And oh, hopefully they'll take it. That... And I think for you guys, that was Bog. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. That's Bog. Well, so... but, but, like, Bog, Bog was not present for any of Tatooine, really. He wasn't on your missions. He wasn't... He never set foot on Ark Station. You know, you left him on the ship. And then well, he came in clutch at the end with a J-turn. <laughs> that's true. That J-turn. So that's, I think that's what made Bog work, right? Because it felt, because we still had our autonomy, right? We still could do our own thing. And it, and Bog was just kind of along for the ride. Um, but like, Bog could stay in radio contact with us, right? So then if anything was like going down or whatever, he could be like, can you guys hear me? And then uh, <laughs> um, there's something going on here. <laughs> and uh, but also like terrible bog impressions. <laughs> but also he would he would um, he wouldn't exactly give us missions, but he would kind of focus us before we went out. And then you know he would always get his equipment ready or whatever, and we were like, "Bug, you got to stay on the ship." You know, <laughs> somebody's got to bail us out if you know. <laughs> He'd like make it to the bottom of the ramp. Be like, hey, and then Bog. turn around and just trudge back up. Nobody's a better pilot than you, Bog. Come on, <laughs> like we just need you. To and then you never let him ship. fly. <laughs> like we only ever <laughs> let him like, fly when none of us were on the ship. <laughs> right. Well, because Isa would go up to the bridge of the crappy little Kepler twelve. We got to talk about the ship after this because we haven't talked about the ship yet. And he would just push Bog <laughs> out of the pilot seat. <laughs> just grab him by the back of his little little rough of his neck. Bat neck. And then uh, and just, just pick him up, take him out, sit down, be like, all right, you know, Bog, I hate it when you change the, the chair settings, you know, when you push the chair forward. Which is why I think, and we'll get to this later, but the whole scene with him and his uncle on Coruscant was great. But but the, the Kepler-12 was a trusty old rust bucket, but at the start of Arc Station, when you first, like, get pulled out of hyperspace because of the gravity wells and you're there and you see these hundreds of ships hundreds of pirate ships and this big gravity well generator and this massive space station your guys's first thought is like oh we gotta blow it up we gotta (laughs) blow up the gravity well and you have this dinky ship with one blaster turret on the top that i guess worked so far but it was a laser cannon, I'll have you know. <laughs> Sounds cooler blaster than it actually turrets. was. Well, blaster turrets are a thing, and they're different. Ugh. We had one of those on the uh, on the loading ramp of uh, of our next ship, the Clap, which we'll get into later. Got that <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, it had a little. That one had a, a 
I think it was an auto blaster that would just like pop up every time we we put the ship down and just like boom. So you could open fire <laughs> if you needed to. Anyway, um but yeah, the the Kepler 12 something special because it's like it's all we could afford with our gambling winnings. But it it served us well. At the end when we just kind of were like Peace out, Kepler-12. We're getting something new and better and shiny. <laughs> I, I seem to remember we thought we were going to, like, just give it to Bog to, like, pay him back for the money he put down for it. But then we just yep. sold it and to get a better deal on the clap. Yep, it, was a, it was one of those trade-in deals. Uh, you do whatever you can to get the clap. That's true. But, uh... Well, I think that sums up Arc Station pretty well. Yeah. I agree. And then at the, you know at the very end we blast off into hyperspace with these Sith ships coming out, and away we go. And Arc Station just explodes behind. We you. hope you like getting a little bit of skeleton crew until we come back for season two because your patience will be rewarded. Season two will be. Oh yeah, are we are we announcing that? Are we announcing that this in this flashback episode to anyone listening? july july 25th keep your eyes peeled on wherever you listen to podcasts because it's probably gonna be skeleton crew season two episodes on july 25th and and if you think bog is a great npc wait till you meet bog's cousin (laughs) blog (laughs) log from the planet brad (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty then Next time we'll be talking about The Unknown World and Coruscant Part 1 The biggest thing there The Riyadh Revelation We'll see you next time Music